Tonight, we are looking at the Kabbalistic interpretation of the Sfira of Gvura. That's our topic for tonight, Gvura. What did we study last time together, y'all? We studied Chesed. So if you look at page 77 of this looking packet, if you draw a circle around each of these, each of these is a sphira, right? We've talked about the spherot. So you see the three upper spherot. What we have talked about, and we talked about this at the first time we were together and a little bit last time, they are kind of the ethereal, a little bit more, you know, a different kind of way of thinking about things. Um, last week we looked at chesed, right? And this week we're looking at gevurah. All right, someone tell me what chesed is about. Loving kindness. I'm not going to spend a lot of time on loving kindness right now because you can't really, if you start with loving kindness, you can't really talk about gevurah without talking about its relationship to chesed. So we're going to talk a little bit about chesed tonight by definition. Because the other spherot that we have at the top of this, first of all, we have Ein Sof, nothing. And then we have Chochmah, wisdom, and, and Bina, understanding. We have the system where these, according to the Kabbalistic system, are kind of related. That's kind of one realm, right? Now we're coming in, so there's 10 Sfirot, right? Chesed and Gevura is the first time we really have a relationship because, because these three are split off. So if you look at your list that, that I'm showing you on 77, right? Put a circle around the top three. Keter, Chochmah, Bina are kind of their own thing. Where does it start reaching in and manifesting in the world and in the human being and who we are and what's going on in this crazy business we call reality as we know it, um, it starts really at chesed gevura having a relationship. This is the first place we see a relationship. They don't talk so much about chokhmah bina together. I mean, they do a little bit, but really, this is the first place, chesed and gevura are the first place we see a real relationship between things that have been made manifest. Yeah? So you could think of this as ethereal, Right, and this is kind of like our lived reality, if you will. Does that make sense? There's a conceptual higher, blah, 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 which is all really important and really whatever. Um, but the real place we see reality begin to be expressed is in the lower seven spherot. That's what we've been focusing on. We're gonna focus on the lower seven spherot. We focused on chesed last time. We're focusing on gevura now. So, we're going to look at a definition of gevura, but I, what I want you to pay attention to is this the first, this is the first relationship this way, laterally between energies, characteristics, forces, ways of being in the world. The first lateral relationship is between chesed and gevura. All right, Amy, you're going to stay close to your notes here. All right. One thing I wanted to make sure we point out is if you go to, I found this fascinating. If you go to back to the front page of the packet that we were just referencing, because I don't want to miss this, and I missed it last time. So I did say last time that if you take the, the combination of the tense he wrote and you make a double helix spiral out of it, you get the DNA from the Jewish perspective of what's going on, Right? But if you look at actual DNA, actual DNA is a pairing of a few things. It's only the pairing of a few letters, four letters to each other. And the same two letters always pair together. This is what scientists tell me is actually real. Why is their understanding any more legitimate than our understanding? They're both legit. They're both real. You're gonna tell me there's a letter, blah, 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 that always corresponds to letter, blah, 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 and this one always corresponds to that one, and it's just about how those pairs mix up, right, is to what makes up our genetic code. 
and which may, that's what makes each one of us unique. So what I want to say to you is that there's the same understanding in Kabbalah, that there are some pairs that match up, and because of the, the way they get mixed up and complicated, go back to that thing we were looking at before in 77, Chochma Bina, like that's in the upper realm, so we're going to like take that pairing out. Chesed Gevura Netzach Hod. Those are the four letters of the genetic code according to the Kabbalists. Those are the four letters. Those are the relationships that get switched around and changed around and influenced by other things, including anomalies, right? That introduce something a little crazy and new. But those are the four letters that make up the double helix of reality for the Kabbalists. That's what I'm suggesting. That's what David Cooper is suggesting in God is a Verb, I think, <laughs> right? I mean, he may have said 10, but I, but I mean, it, it's these, the same way science says, it's really the same couple of things relating to each other, but in a bunch of different crazy ways that makes us who we are as unique human beings. Why is it a leap for us to say there's some undergirding, underpinning things that are actually part of reality that the way they interact together makes us who we are as spiritual, emotional, psychological, emotional beings? Why would it be any different? Yeah? All right, I've lost a lot of you. It's okay. I'm coming back. I'm coming back. But I just wanted to point that out, first of all, for the scientists in the room. Um, also for people who are like, what does this have to do with anything that's actually real? Well, what does the, the pairing of all these other things have to do with anything that's real? Oh, look under a microscope and you see. Guess what? Look at someone really closely and you can see their pain. You can see their joy. You can see the fragmentation, the brokenness. You can see the, the hope, the talent, the whatever that's latent that they don't even know about because something else has been too active for too long, right? All right, so I'm going to stop there with that. We're going to God is a verb, page 90 says my notes now to keep me on track and on time. God is a verb. I have no idea. I'm looking for it too. God is a verb, page 90. I know, right? It's kind of, well, you know, you gotta, you gotta work. You think this stuff is gonna come easy to you? There is. All right. It's after the page, it looks like this. The page after the one that looks like this. Yeah? Got it? Okay. So just gently flip that over, because look, it's all going to be okay. It's all okay. It's all okay. We're okay. It looks like this. This. Exactly. So we looked at the left side of that page, which is page 90. Amazing how that works. And we go to the word at the second, beginning of the second paragraph. Yeah? Givura. Givura is the quality of contraction and restraint. What was last time we talked about? What was chesed? Loving kindness, openness. Openness, loving kindness, giving, flowing, no judgment, amazingly accepting of everything. Givura is the quality of contraction and restraint. It stands in opposition to generosity. Restraint is the ability to say no, even when social pressure is brought to bear. Gvura represents universal justice as well. It understands that everything <coughs> impacts and has repercussions. The tendency of Gvura is to be excessively conservative, preferring things just as they are. Uncontrolled, Gvura is stifling. It does not allow for any movement. It is strictly conformist, unspontaneous, rigid, and hypercritical. These two poles work and interact with each other. At times we are drawn more by our generous spirit, other times we withdraw. The system is dynamic and continuously fluid. 
We all have tendencies to lean one way or the other, yet we are under the influence of many variables, thus nobody is ever 100%, can you get that, predictable. A little bit about Gavura there. All right, I gave you another handout, this one that you got tonight. It should say Gavura, strength, yeah? All right, we're gonna spend some time here. Yeah? Loving kindness, oh, you know what? I'm tired of hearing, no, I have to do it because otherwise we need a microphone. So, but Justin said he gave me a microphone. So that we could have someone else read. It's ready to go. Thanks, Jana. Read those, these first two highlighted paragraphs, would you please? Loving kindness is the sole trait of maximum tender-heartedness. If that were the only quality that we brought into the world, if we were totally loving, giving, caring, generous, we'd be like loving jellyfish blobbing around without form or structure. To be functional, the softness of love needs to be balanced with form and definition, the qualities of Gavura. Gavura isn't easy to translate into English. It does mean strength and is sometimes used to refer to brute strength, might, power, and even severity, but it also has connotations of restraint, discrimination, limitation, discipline, judgment, discernment, the ability to draw lines, and strength in judgment, all of which are aspects of this soul trait. All right, so we're, we're talking, the, we've talked about the, the poles, that things have poles, that it's not that one or the other is ever appropriate, um, it's more of one or less of the other is appropriate, right? And so now we're talking about the relationship between chesed and gavura. We could talk about gavura on its own, but because we've already talked about chesed, it's hard not to talk about, right? Um, gavura and chesed in relationships. So gavura, strength, restraint, discrimination, limitation, discipline, judgment, discernment, rules, boundaries, sometimes stopping, cutting off, right? It means, right, some limitation, um, which is in direct opposition to chesed, the lovingness that we need to have in the world to be gentler, more loving, more patient, more generous people from spirit, heart, mind, everything, resources, everything. They live in a constant pull back and forth, which is that uh, diagram when I said it's the page after this, the page before the page after this was, uh, was that, that pull, it's always a balance, right? These things aren't absolute. It's about moving between them always. All right. So I love this, that there was a cartoon that was, that was labeled The Surrendered Mom. So that's your next highlight. The Surrendered Mom. Dr- drive you and six friends to the mall? Why, I'd love to. You need $500 for a beanbag chair? Well, that sounds like a plan. You're quitting middle school? Well, you know best. You get it, right? Like unbounded chesed leads to really terrible things. It's not a good thing, unbounded chesed. We can't live in the world like that. It creates, if you raise teenagers in only chesed, it creates completely self-absorbed, narcissistic, spoiled, entitled adults. And that doesn't happen in our world right now in West LA, does it? Yeah. All right, drop all the way down to the bottom of the page. Laura Diamond, would you read, please? There are innumerable entry points to examining Gavura, and I want to focus here on only one important one that plays in all our lives, our capacity for self-restraint. A conventional definition of might is the strength to overcome an opponent. Traditionally, in the Musar approach to Gavura, our attention is refocused, onto the strength needed to overcome ourselves. Okay, so Gavur is not just about like how I put it out there. Like I'm gonna set some limits, and you can't call me after this time and I have a vacation notice on my email, even if I'm checking it all the time. Like it's not just about putting it out there, it's about the restraint. A lot of times Gavura has to be exercised against ourselves. I don't know about you, for me, it's I am gonna turn off HBO right now. 
Because showing some gavura against my own desire right now to live into entertainment or whatever else I want, right? Recreation, because I deserve it. I work hard. I deserve recreation, right? But a wise, evolved set of, like, working back and forth between all this stuff says, okay, that's great, Aim. Yeah, you deserve some entertainment. How much do you deserve a working day tomorrow that doesn't feel like pain every step of the way? So, Gavor is about, it's not that it's opposite to chesed, it's not that it's unloving, it's saying sometimes we have to exercise boundaries. We get it when we read the mom thing that we have to give teenagers and children boundaries. Duh. Well, what about when it's not just out there, it's in here. I have to set some boundaries. I have to exercise some. And, and I'm not just joking. I'm not, I'm not being flip. It's real gavura. Last night, I turned off the television because, you know, it loads the next, if you're watching Netflix, it loads the next episode. I'm like, well, I'll just go to the bathroom and then, and when I come back, the next episode's on. What kind of gavura does it take? Because they leave you always at a point where you know what, what's going to happen next, right? The gavura it takes to turn that off is real, is real to the rabbis. They understand it. They get it. They understand that it's a struggle for us. And I'm giving you maybe a simple and trite example, but come on, we do this all the time. But what am I going to give away, right? And, and, and where do I say no to myself, which is really hard. It's really hard to say no to the chesed or just, ooh, little child, joy, I want, I want, I want, part of ourselves. It's really hard. Sometimes I tell myself my mom would tell me to go to bed. (laughs) What a great mom you must have had, Laura Diamond. (laughs) The mom who's sitting right next to you, for those of you at home. Right, and and, and I think that that's really true about a lot of these virtues is that it's also about who's led us, who's taught us into where that is meaningful, right? Just a question of this overcoming um, ourselves and you were doing it in terms of like wanting to do something and stopping yourself from it, but what about the other like holding yourself back because you're not moving forward? Is that part of this or not? So tell me more about what you mean that that it's... um, this is about stopping yourself, but what about stopping yourself from moving forward? Tell me more about what that means. Instead of doing something that, like you're saying, stopping yourself from watching TV or stopping yourself from eating the cookie or, you know, whatever those things are, like the more parental boundaries, but does this um, fall into the category of stopping yourself, like, with your own mind, going, I'm not going to make changes, I'm not going to try and advance, I'm not going to try and do better, I'm not going to, you know, those kind of stopping yourself boundaries. So those are already in place. Those boundaries are already in place. Right, so Pat getting... So what, what do you do with those boundaries? You can't do this, you'll never do this, you've never succeeded, they told you you couldn't do it, what needs to come in right there? Chesed. Chesed. You're welcome. <laughs> yes, thank you for trying to tell the system works. I love that, right? Because that's what happens. If Gavura gets too strong, if Gavura takes over, it's all about stoppage. No, you can't. You shouldn't. They told you you couldn't, so you won't, right? Like, Gavura, if it gets too strong and overtakes, the balance in the relationship becomes a, a barrier. And that's where Chesed has to come in, and we're going to talk next week about the, the, this is, if you want to call it thesis, antithesis, uh, thesis, antithesis, thank you, and then um, the, the way synthesis happens is Tiferet, so we're going to talk a little bit about Tiferet next time, but, but that's a beautiful point, because any of these taken to their extreme is the teaching of the rabbis, brings us to a really bad place, right? It's not a good place that we're in. All right, so... I don't know what I want us to hear. Yes. Sounds like black and white at this moment, and, but there are a lot of grayscales if you would agree. No, 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 no. I'm sorry. So let me, let me be clear. It's mostly gray. Thank you. 
We live in gray. The question is, in this moment, what, where do I need to move on this continuum? Right? Because it's all gray. But some people live in black and white, don't they? Okay, the rabbi say that's not healthy. Our tradition says that's not healthy. And we all know that's not healthy, right? So it's always gray. The, the question is, where, how do we understand chesed? Then we have to understand its balance, gvura. Say, the rabbis, says, says our teaching, so that we can explore the gray with some wisdom, with some discernment. Does that make sense? Thank you, yes. And there's more gray to come, don't worry. Like, there's more, like, we're, we're only in two. We're only in a relationship between two of them. We have a lot more to go, right? The double helix is, is two couples, so four characteristics. We've looked really closely at two, right? So it's gonna get more complicated. Aren't you happy about that? All right, did I see another hand about something we need to stop and address? I want you to turn to, I gave you another new, oh wait, but, but before we go there. So I've given you a lot to read here in Moranis, who's one of the, you know, Nancy quoted him last night. This is Musar. What I've given you tonight from, from Moranis is, is Musar. The Musar Institute. If you look at the first page, it says the Musar Institute. So this is not unrelated. Like I said, it comes out of Kabbalah and then it goes a little further. So we're looking at the roots of it, the, for, the you know, roots of Musar. And, and like I said, it doesn't disappear from Musar. They talk about chesed and gevura and everything. So I've given you his teaching on gevura and he has an invocation, which I thought was very interesting. Um, and so I want to turn us to... Uh, the page uh, that is not numbered. I love this. It's not numbered. Go to number three on his like um, part called Meeting for Strength. So probably the very back of the Morena or towards the back of the Morena's piece for you. Looks like this. For the visual learners among us like me. <laughs> Looks like that. I can match patterns. <laughs> if you talk to me, I don't know what you're saying. All right. Three, I love this one. Gavura is a predominant subject of stories in the news. Can you cite any examples of stories in which Gavura or its absence is a major factor? How would public events be different if some people understood and practiced more Gavura? Four, where do you tend to exert or not exert yourself in the direction of Gavura in your own life? So I want to point you to those texts, and I'll close with the last one on that, so we're not going to look at that right now. We're going to look at Green, Art Green's piece on the relationship between chesed and gevura, yeah? Page 47 is where he starts that conversation in his book. And if you don't have this book and you're at all interested in any of this stuff, I really recommend you get this book. Uh, yeah, a Kabbalah for tomorrow, but it's in, uh, you should have been given something tonight, yeah? Huh? Yeah. Do you have, yeah, you have... You have it in there, yeah? Forty-seven. Yes. Yes. I'm sorry? So the question is, are chesed and gavura also divine attributes? They originate in the divine. The divine manifests in us, and so for the Kabbalists, it cannot be any other way than, of course, they're in us because we are manifestations of the divine. Gavura would never be the negative thing. <laughs> Speak into the mic, if you would. <laughs> so it makes the podcast. Hold on. No, so if, if it's a divine attribute, then the human participation in Hesed and Gavura is participation in the divine. So what yes. may be faulty or rigid or um, in some senses negative at the human level is transcendent in the divine level. Beautifully said. 
Yes. So Beautifully said. So what is, what is imbalanced in us between, let's say, the relationship between chesed and gevura is, is perfectly united in the divine. Yes. And I would say as a reconstructionist, but what is the divine outside of what we're doing? Like, does it matter? Like, uh, if the divine is reflected through us into this reality, capital R, yes, in the image of the, in the minds of the Kabbalists, in the divine, it is all, of course, a balance. But lived out in reality, capital R, uh, not so much. And so uh, what I'm interested in is how do we explore our relationship to what it means to even come close to touching the idea of a balance in ourselves and in our families and in our tribes and in our cities and in our lives. And becoming divine. Yes, yes. Becoming more like the divine, which is what we're always striving for, right? That's the goal, is to to reach that balance more often, more frequently, more internally, more systemically, to reach that balance. Absolutely. Always so beautifully said. It's so great to have a philosopher and a historian of this stuff in the room. Psychological versus the metaphysical. I don't know if it's the psychological versus the metaphysical. I think for the rabbis, they weren't separate. They're not separate. They're they're related. You can't separate the metaphysical from the psychological because, right, that what is the metaphysical manifests for us in the psychological and vice versa. I mean, like, if you get too taken away by the psychological, you have to remember the metaphysical. If we get right, so exactly what you're talking about: izun balance between the metaphysical and the psychological. Absolutely. All right. You were just putting on your glasses. Okay. You were afraid I was going to call on you. All right. Um, so 47, right? Go to the second highlight that you have of mine. Yeah? Okay. So go to the paragraph beginning, Chesed is the God of love. Chesed is the God of love, calling forth in us the response of love. Chesed in the soul is our love of God and all of God's creatures, our ability to continue this divine flow, passing on to others the gift of love. Givura represents the God we fear, the one before whose power we stand in trembling. Rather than personifying a childish fear, the cringing of a guilty youngster before a punishing parent, Gevura represents our awe before the majesty and magnificence of the cosmos, the smallness we feel as we open ourselves to the totality of being. Here, we are reminded of our own mortality and limited strength as we contemplate the endless power of the one, capital O, compared to the briefness of each human life. Okay. He's a little bit, green is a little bit like Heschel for me. It's like, that's the most profound and beautiful thing I have ever heard. And I have no idea what it means. (laughs) Right? But it's, isn't that gorgeous? Isn't that gorgeous? Right? God, chesed, has to be there. It's the calling forth in response because the universal response is to the divine chesed. We respond to divine chesed. It originates in the divine. The divine bursts forth in chesed. Right? Olam chesed yibaneh. This world is made out of God's chesed because God didn't have to do this, says our tradition. It's an act of love. Olam chesed And so we respond as creatures in love. Everything comes out of that love. Gevura represents the God of awe. And, and Green understands well, more than anybody, the relationship between fear and awe. So you could just substitute awe every time he says fear. He does it too. Every time he writes fear, he means awe. Every time he writes awe, he means fear. Because for us, they're not different. Listen and hear. Shema is not different for us. Listen, hear, pick one. It doesn't matter. 
the God of awe. So what I love about this is there's love on this side and on the other side, there is, it's not divorced from love, but it's a different quality, right? It's the quality of awe. Here's where we're intimate and close. Chesed, we're intimate and loving and close, and we better have that, right? But we also have an experience of the divine, of reality, capital R, that is about gavura, that's about awe, about awareness of our littleness. When we're intimate, we're special, aren't we? In intimate relationship, we're really special. We're actually the only one. I would hope. But we are the only one. We are, we are unique. We are prized. We are treasured. And I don't just mean this with a lover. I mean, think about a grandchild. Think about a puppy. And I'm not being flip. Puppies, what do you think dog is God spelled backwards? That's not an accident, people. <laughs> you pick up a puppy and you are their whole world. That is pure chesed. What a puppy feels for you is chesed. And what they need sometimes is a little gibora. You're going back in your crate. So gibora is about, so in response to love, there's also this response of awe. So intimacy, feeling like you're the most amazing, wonderful object, subject, whatever, of this amazing interaction. And then there's the other end of the scale, which is I am nothing. I'm a speck. It's over like that. How is my child 15? It's over like that. If she's already 15, she's on her way to leaving my house in three years, my parenthood is over in that sense with my child living under my... Like, so my adult, my life is flying past me in ways that I'm, right, I'm not... Because I'm not, it means really, I'm nothing. I'm so fast. I'm so gone really soon. Like in the, in the span of things, I'm gone tomorrow. That's the balance of chesed and gavurah that Art Green is exploring right here, which I think is really, really important and another way to talk about it and think about it. Um, and let's go over to 49 at the bottom of the page. Someone willing to read? Caleb will bring you the microphone. How about a man reading? Christopher. Christopher will do it. Last paragraph, Amy? Yeah, here we have... Here we have one of the most important moral lessons of Kabbalah. Judgment untempered by love brings about evil. Power obsessed with itself turns demonic. Evil is not some distant force. It resides within each of us as it exists in the cosmos as a whole. The result of an imbalance of inner forces... Neither the world nor the self can do without Gavora, represented in the person by self-restraint, strength of character, and the knowledge of how to act appropriately in any given situation. We constantly must ensure, though, that enough love and compassion break through these restraints, or else we're in grave danger of harming ourselves, and hopefully not our puppies, <laughs> those around us upsetting the balance of our own inner lives. Anger in particular is frowned upon by the Kabbalistic ethos, which always wants us to lean toward the right or hesed side of the self, making sure that our love remains strong and is free to flow. All right, so where, what he's doing here, we just talked about you know, one balance he did between hesed and gavura. The other one he's doing here, the move he makes here, is because hesed is aligned with compassion. So what do you think gavura is aligned with? Judgment. What's deserved? In Hebrew, it's din. At the high holidays, we are always working to move God from kisei hadin, from the throne of judgment, to the throne of compassion. Because if din happened, I don't know how many of us would be left standing. I wouldn't. I can tell you that for sure. If we got what we actually deserved, right, what would be fair, I wouldn't be standing here. But because we have a reality that has compassion built into it, it's like, okay, 
You made a mistake. It's okay. This week was a bad week. You, you didn't earn it this week, okay? But there's, right, there's tshuva built in, compassion built in. So Green is saying here that, you know, gavur is necessary. You need boundaries. You need judgment. You need discernment. You need to know how to act. But this with no boundaries, if people really got what they deserved, what would happen? Evil. Interesting. That, that, for me, that's an interesting trajectory. If, if we really let Dean go uncontrolled by rachamim, by compassion, if people really got what they deserved, there'd be a lot more evil in this world. Because people deserve to get punished. <laughs> like, if I was taken to task every time I speak like, to my daughter in a way I shouldn't, if I really got what I deserved, but she has a lot of rachmanis for me. So does my partner. So my partner might take me aside gently later and say, you know, you really talked to her in a way that was not okay. And I know you've had a long day, and I know it's been a hard week, and I know you've, you're carrying a lot, and a lot of people are dying. I get it. If I got what I deserved right after every interaction, I wouldn't be standing. So I love that he says, judgment, Dean, untempered by love, brings about evil. Power obsessed with itself turns demonic. We've seen Hitler. We've seen Mussolini. I mean, we, we don't... That's not so hard to understand, is it? Power obsessed with itself becomes demonic. Evil is not a distant force, so it's not just out there, it's also right in here. When we become obsessed with our own power, when that's all that's going on, guess what, right? We do really, really hurtful and terrible things to each other. All right, I wanna take your comments at this point and see what you're thinking and Kayla will bring you the microphone. Sheldon, speak to us. Uh, I was thinking that um, most people are uh, somewhere in the middle, probably a bell curve, excuse me, a bell curve, you know, somebody at either end. But in our public uh, politics, we seem to be Keep the microphone by your mouth while you gesticulate. <laughs> we seem to be separate. In other words, you could say that the Democratic Party is over to the compassion and the Republican Party is over to the judgment. And, and politically, at least today, we've separated into these two peaks. Why is that? So someone came up to me after last night's talk and said, you know, it seems to me, Rabbi, that the Democrats are completely hateful, judgmental, angry, searching for any kind of thing they can't get a hold of because it's not there. Why does all the vitriol come from the Democrats? Why is that? Why are they so angry at this president who has a better economy and a better situation for more Americans, who's been honest about Israel, who's been, like, what, what is the, so the exact question you asked got asked of me last night the other way. And it's a huge issue right now that we are not doing any kind of work as a society, which is why I don't think this teaching is irrelevant or esoteric or out there. It's about living it. We are not able right now to live into the chesed end of things when someone pisses us off. Because they're in a political, you know, on the political spectrum in a certain place, we completely shut down chesed, which in that case I would call curiosity, like Nancy Fuchs Kramer said last night. Chesed would be about some loving kindness, about, so I'm curious about that. Why, why, why is it your perspective that, or can you tell me more about that? We've forgotten that, and we're all into gavura. We're all into deen. We're all into judgment, right? And, and we go there really fast, and so because each of us does that on each end of the spectrum, well, wh- what's that going to cause? Everybody's, everybody's over here. Everybody's in Dean and in judgment and, and in Gavura. 
And the boundaries are so rigid that we can't even hear each other across opinions or lines or whatever. And I, and I think I might have shut you down from saying something else you wanted to say. No, I agree with you. <laughs> And it's really troubling to me. And I think that's why these teachings, and I think, Amy, you know, you're here tonight because you heard Nancy last night and, and wrote me and said, this is what we so need right now. I wish more, I wish the sanctuary was filled with triple the people to like, let's really talk about this because are we really ready to do this? And what does our tradition have to say about how we might shift from one position to the other without giving up our integrity? That's the piece. I think we live over here on Dean and Judgment and Gavora and whatever, especially in our political times and in our public conversation because we think that's where I can stay in my integrity. And that will defend all the people over here on the side of Chesed who need my help. Or that's how I feel anyway, right? As a liberal Democrat. That you know, there's so many people who are not being protected. They're vulnerable. They're out there. And, and so I'm going to lean into Gavura every time I talk to you because you are forgetting these people who need our Chesed. And it's like, uh, Amy, how about you needing to manifest exactly what you're saying needs to happen for other, well, how about you manifesting that for the person standing in front of you? That's what our tradition calls us into. That's why it's not esoteric, it's not a philosophy, it's not nice ideas, it's about actually living a really difficult life of being called to, checking out all the time, how am I doing? But we have to have a vocabulary which is what I said to you from the beginning. I'm not asking you to buy the mystical system. I'm not asking you to buy Kabbalah. I'm not asking you to buy any of it. I'm asking you, could there be a technology that helps us ask some really important questions in the interactions that actually matter to us in our lives? And I say yes, Judaism has that. And here's what they are. But if Jews don't have the app downloaded, what difference does it make? that Kabbalah talks about this, that Musar talks about this, that we want to talk about this. If we don't download the app and know the language and at least know some categories of how to begin the conversation with ourselves and in our lives with other people, then what, is, what does it matter? There's a hand over here. Laura Diamond and, oh, no, Gabby. Gabby first. She had her hand up. I saw that a long time ago. My challenge with this concept right now is who is making the category because my reaction when I read about how anger is like opposed to hesed when I feel angry for me that's closer to hesed than it is to Gavura. for me it's about like injustice which I okay I can see it's just it's all so connected that I'm having trouble seeing them as separate at all. Right. So um, is purple more blue or more red? It's not oppositional. Right? It's that if you combine red and blue, you get purple. Then you take a purple and say, describe the purple. It's not just purple. Is it, is it a reddish purple? Is it a bluish purple? Right? So I, and we, we were here until... 10.15 after the last class talking about this and Gabby is an amazing, astute observer of um, who's imposing language, who's imposing categories, what do they mean, why does it matter when really yes and yes and yes. So all of this is just a way to start exploring can I parse out in any given situation, in any moment, some of what's happening in a movement, in a problem in our society. Can I start to parse out and articulate and start talking about, is there, is there an imbalance somewhere here? It's not the only grid. We're get, we, have, we have more sphere road to go. We have five more to go. And then we have the interactions this way, across, and then triangle across and down, what does that mean? When you get red and purple, Tifera, what is... What does that mean and what does that look like and what, what does that feel like and where do we need to bring that more together? So I'm not saying that, and I think Kabbalah actually reinforces what you're saying and so does the Musar tradition. It's not that compassion and judgment are opposite. It's that they are in relationship. 
which is what you're pointing out. They're in, when I get angry that people are being stomped who shouldn't be, it's my love and chesed for them that makes me want more gevura. So the, the trick is, so, so what does that mean? I think my challenge is seeing it linearly in yeah. any capacity, but I don't have an answer for how to not make it linear. Okay, so I'll show you how. Because the rabbis also conceived of it this way. That from Ein Sof come all the others he wrote. So then if you put Chesed here and Gevura here, Chesed actually, it precedes Gevura. So Chesed emanates out into Gevura. It's necessary counterpart, you know, it's necessary balance that it, it isn't linear for some, like the thinking is this, it goes this way. Yeah? So as your, your point about the, we think integrity lives in the judgment side and the Gevura side, and I wanted to ask you to sort of play that out where if you're going to move towards that gray, towards the chesed of the person that you're talking to that you might have. I said, uh, I just want to be clear before you finish, yeah. that um, we think right. our integrity is on the Dean side. So my question is, where does it live? If not there, mm-hmm. how, do you, how do you have that integrity? How do you feel that you still have whatever integrity you have while holding the chesed for whatever person you are struggling not to feel judgmental of? Like where... Is, is that possible? Is it, is, it not, is it not connected to that? Is it so, no, it's totally connected to that because otherwise this doesn't matter. If it's not connected to that, it doesn't matter. I don't care about it, right? So the, the integrity, I think, lies in constantly being willing to discern where am I on this continuum? Am I, am I being pulled by reactivity or am I being pulled by, I've really given this a lot of thought and a lot of consideration, and I have to say, here's where I draw the line. Right, like, integrity is about making sure we're doing the spiritual work of checking out where we are and checking out why we're, why we're about to say what we're about to say or why we decide what we're, is it from? And look, there's times where chesed has to give way to gevura. it has to, right? There's times, though, that Gevura has to be, has to take second place to, to Chesed. And it's up to us to do the constant work of discerning, which is called for when. And we make a lot of mistakes. But our tradition says, okay, so you wake up tomorrow and you go, okay, thank you, God. I'm here again, a manifestation of all of the Sphirot and all of their interactions, and help me figure it the flip out, because it's not easy. But that's the work. If it were easy, right? And, uh, I don't know if I'm getting to your question, but it, it, there's not an easy answer to that. Every single situation calls us into, where do I stand in my integrity? If I balance what I really believe is the measure of gevura needed right here with the amount of chesed that's deserved right here, which is all the time, where does that put me? Because usually we just don't do that. We, we just react. So we just make, right? And so a, a spiritually mature life is about saying I'm aware of what's Contributing to how I'm gonna react or respond right now. Um, I think think maybe since we didn't define integrity, that might be part of the problem. I was in your first comment. Integrity was about whatever my opinion might be, or you know, I believe X and this person believes Y. I'm gonna stay on X, and that was integrity. And maybe that's not what you meant, but. No, that's what I was saying. We think we're in our integrity when we say, I'm safe with my opinion no matter what you say, right? And integrity really is about saying, huh, can you treat that other person and their perspective and their opinion and how they got there with some respect? I don't have to agree with them and I don't have to move to that side, but integrity for me, real integrity, is what the rabbis mean, which is, the tradition means, which is, 
constantly looking at how are we doing between the balance of these two things and the other a million things we're gonna talk about. And my integrity is, doesn't have to be based on I'm wedded to, right? This is, that's all I was saying, is that we think, we think this means integrity right now in our culture is what I'm finding anyway. If I move off of this at all, whoever I am, my policy decisions, my candidate, my whatever, you know, then I'm stepping out of my integrity and I just think that the, the rabbis want to say, what is real integrity? Real integrity is can I be open to the opinion of the other? Can I be open to their experience that led them to vote for that candidate? Can I hear their pain? Can I hear their fear? Can I hear them feeling marginalized enough to understand why they would hold another position? Then it, I don't have to change mine. But that's real. I think the tradition says that's real integrity. So the comment I was, I was going to make is the definition of integrity is wholeness. Mm-hmm. Okay, And I think part of the problem that we're having with, this, with the way this is being presented is it, it looks like it's a zero-sum game. In other words, when you, are, when you have Gabura, you're losing Hesed. When you have so then I've miscommunicated because the whole thing is about balance right? and a moving but, no, scale. But in balance, it, when, you, when you think of balance, you think of a scale going up and down, and it isn't. Okay. It is. It's a wholeness of, 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 you have to combine the two, right? You can't have one okay. or the other. Okay, yes, and, of course. And what I was struck by when you talked about the puppy or when you talked about the parenting, um, and I, I like that you changed it to awe instead of fear, uh, was the, the way that you interact with a parent, the way you interact, the puppy interacts with you, the way we interact with God having both love and awe is what us what makes us feel safe yeah okay we can't just have love and feel like oh my god we're out here and no matter what we do it's okay you know whatever we have to have those limitations that says okay someone's taking care of us beautiful right and at the same time we have to be free to you know express ourselves etc so i don't look at it uh, like i said I, I like the circles better than the mm-hmm than the scale right. um, a paradigm because I think okay. both have to be there all the time. Good. Excellent. Wonderful. Hand? Milka? Um. Uh, okay, so forgive me. First of all, English is my second language, so I hope I'm not offending anyone. What is your second language? English is English. Okay. Sorry. So I hope I'm not offending anyone if I'm misjudging here. Uh, first of all, uh, integrity. Isn't I'm sorry I brought it up. Well, Go hold ahead. on, hold on. But 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 Gavor, Ten Commandments is all about Gavoro, those shall not steal, those shall not uh, kill, you know, so on and so forth. Especially the first Ten Commandments, right? Yes, w- no? What did you just say? The first the Ten Commandments are all about Gavora? Most of the ten most of the co- yes, the ten You com- shall love Adonai your God. I am Adonai your God who took you out of Egypt. But it's you shall me, honor your mother and father. It's telling me what to do. That's yes, of course. That's of course. A, that's a Gevorah. That's what they're for. Commandments the are to tell you what to do. They're, they're the rules, yeah. Okay. And then the other thing I was going to say is that uh, judgment. Um, do we mean confinement? Because to me, judgment has a lot of positive to it. To me, judgment is about intelligence. It's about intuition. It's about safety. It's about making a decision. But maybe we're talking about confinement versus judgment because judgment is not that bad. And, and left and right, we're judging right now You know about everything we're saying. <laughs> That's juice, right? We, we live in a lot of judgment. But so I, I think... It, you're not wrong to say, ing, you're, you qualified what you were about to say by saying English is your second language. That's a judgment. English is our second language as Jews. English is our second language. I might say third. English, yada I mean, it's Hebrew, yada English. English is not our native language. That's not what we speak, Jewishly. We are trying to break all this down into English. It doesn't work as well in English. Givua, strength, means gibol, hero, strong. Din means strict, absolute judgment. You do this, you get that. Does confinement in English work better? Up to you. 
In Hebrew, it works, it's very clear. Givura, gibor, right? It's about strength. To the maximum, it's rigid and it's confining. When it's balanced, right, with, with chesed, right, it's a loving limitation that we place. When I say you must be home by 11 o'clock because I love you and I care about you and I need to know where you are. It's not an either or. They're both there. My chesed and my gevura are both there when I set a deadline for her to be home. Right? That, they have to be in conversation. That's how the world is created. It has to be, say the rabbis. Of course it's not one or the other because if there is, then you get the demonic. You're talking about putting the blue and the red together to make the purple. Yes. That's the purple. Tiferet's going to be purple. Next time we're going to talk about Tiferet. We're talking about blue and red right now. We're going to talk about purple. I got you. Next time. I love that. (laughs) Jana, you want to say something? Um, Yeah. Well, it's just coming to, to fathom this is to really understand your own thought processes very clearly and that's a process and it that's the responsibility practice and responsibility that's the challenge and it doesn't happen just because you want to know (laughs) you know right right? so these concepts are so i don't know they're they're little they're huge they're 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 baffling because you know as you try and discover your own where, when am I really being compassionate, and when is it? When is when am I being judgmental, and, and where is that middle ground, and who am I within that, and how judgmental am I being with myself, or compassionate with myself? Go to two hundred two because Jana just led us beautifully into page two hundred two. I promise I'm not a plant. It says God is a verb on the bottom, the path of the tzaddik on the other side, page two hundred two. Practicing moderation. So here's an example. Because like Jonah said, it's kind of out there. It's kind of whatever. You can't just wish, okay, now I know that there are these categories. And so, oh, look at me. Now I know what the heck to do. But thankfully, there are people who can teach us how to apply some of this. I'm not saying you need to, this is the one. I'm saying here's an example of how this gets applied. So assess the following aspects of your life on a subjective scale. Too much, too little, or just about right. I'm going to let you look at that list. You can add to that list is the next prompt on number two. Number three, look over your list to determine those things that you feel are excessive. For each, calculate the amount that you consume each day. Number four, now assuming you had to diminish the quantity of only one of the things on your list by 25%, which would it be? Number five, imagine how you would go about cutting back 25% of this thing, such as I'd watch television an hour less each day. I'd cut out a percentage of my snacks and dessert. Six, see if you can actually do this for a week. I panicked when I read that. (laughs) If so, do it for a month. If you succeed, you can reward yourself by adding to your life something on the list that says I do it too little. Otherwise, keep trying or choose another thing on the list. <laughs> Each time you have success, give yourself a reward by increasing the time given to too little items. Work on your list until there is nothing that says too much. Right? So I'm not suggesting, like, these kind of appro- approaches tend not to work very much for me, but the intention does. Like, last night, you heard me say, I was so proud. I turned off the TV, right? Because I would have started that next episode, which meant I was up for another hour, which for me last night would have meant till midnight. I left here at 9.30. I had to be back here this morning. I'm here till whatever time tonight. I'm here tomorrow night. So yeah, that would have been fun. I would have loved to have recreated another hour with stuff I love, right? What would that do to me the rest of the week? Right? So I think it's like, Gavura, look at me. I'm setting some boundaries around my free time, blah, 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 blah. In some ways, on the other way, it's like, right? An act of Gavura to say, turn it off. And that's the trick. Where's the Gavura? Because sometimes I'm like, I want my time off. I want my time to have fun because I work all the time or whatever. I parent all the time. I have a dog that has to be walked all the time. It's endless. 
<laughs> so sometimes Gavura is, I want my show. That's fine. But the second time I wanted to watch the show, right, the Gavura was about saying, no, it's time now to go to bed so that the rest of your week feels better. Right? I know it sounds trite, but I'm saying it's about how do we apply, like you said, just because we know this doesn't do anything. Just because we have new language for it doesn't do anything. What I hope to anchor us in is language that is authentic to the tradition, authentic to what our people have been struggling with forever and ever and ever to put words on about, about I don't even want to say spiritual, about traits about how to live as responsible, ethical, spiritually evolved human beings. So that's, that's what we're doing. Yeah? We good with that? Kayla, speak. Um, I was going to just add on to what you were saying. Yeah. Drawn up about um, like how to do it. And like Arthur Green says in the book to but it's not about knowledge and knowing it. It doesn't really get you anywhere. It's about the practice. So like here we're just like like in a class and it's fun. But like the real <laughs> like classroom is like out there and then also in here. So we take what we get here and then we apply it and then it's not about like getting it all right on the first try but just that's that right. we're, we're living it and I think that's what's exciting for all of us so it's a really important reframe thank you that's like you know learning is about you know how we talk about it Jewishly what people before us have had to say about it the, the, the work is how does it matter it only matters if we actually use it right and and I know I keep coming back to it, but, but I, I will tell you that I turned off the TV going, Gavura. Like, I, it actually, talking about this, studying about it, reading it, preparing it for this week for you, actually made me, help me make a decision that I wouldn't have made if I were just being lazy about what I want, right? Just, or just what comes naturally. And that's kind of the point. If we focus on it, if we talk about it, if we lean into it, it has the opportunity to help change what we actually do in our lives. And that's the only reason to be talking about it, say the rabbis. They don't live in a monastery where we just study this stuff, right? To be looking at our navels and say, wow. <laughs> Wait, we, and I'm not, I'm not denigrating that in any way. I'm saying the rabbis were about, okay, so how do we use that to live with the dog, Right? My daughter came in. I was tired. I came in. I hadn't seen her all day. She goes, she, I come in. She's like, don't even talk to me. And I'm like, what? She's, the dog stopped and ran, dragged the leash through someone else's poop, and now I don't even talk to me. That's, that's the world this stuff belongs to. Do you know what I'm saying? Like, for the rabbis, if you're sitting on a mountaintop, meditating all day, you don't need a lot of this, frankly, right? You know, the, there's a midrash that says the angels went to God and said, you're giving Torah to them, to those apes. You're giving the most precious gem in the universe to those animals, to those monkeys. And God looked at the angels and said, what, do you steal? Do you murder? Do you covet your neighbor's wife? I don't think so. What do you need Torah for? Right? This stuff that we have is written for real human beings living real lives. And, and the challenge is, can we really stop and take the time in the moment to apply any of what we're talking about? Right? And um, I'll close with this image that um, some of you in the room will recognize. So, in, in, we do yoga um, twice a week, some of us in this room. And so here's the posture warrior two, right? So we're in warrior two, and this is the strong leg. This is the leg that's taking everything on, right? This is the softer side, the receptive side, right? And so always when I think about this stuff, when I think about it in, in body, I think about, so here's Gevura, here's Chesed, right? Well, guess what? Gevura gets really tired. And our instructor says, lean into your back foot, Leaning into the back foot takes some of the pressure off of this leg, off of the strong leg that's doing all the work. And then when you're like, okay, I'm still dying because you have us in this way too long. She's like, yeah, so can you sit with that? (laughs) Can you sit with the fact that your front muscle's burning? Can you pull into your back foot? Can you settle down? And can you breathe through all that? That's kind of the work. 
It doesn't matter if it's not embodied, right? It's, it's about how do we bring this into the actual moment of my thighs on fire? Lean, you think you're in Gavura, well guess what, that's not gonna get you sometimes where you wanna be. Can you lean back into Chesed where it feels the least natural, the least intuitive? Because that's how we bring some balance to everything and bring the temperature down on a lot of stuff that's right now um, really problematic and really troubling. So I hope that you'll stay with us, stay with me. If you at home, thank you for listening and um, stay with us. And um, we have a lot of downloads of these podcasts. So know that you're here and I love that all of you are here. I know that this room has been filled three times over with how many people download and listen to our conversation. So um, I'm hoping we can keep this rich and incredibly important, I think really important conversation uh, going and nourish ourselves and sustain ourselves so that we can build a different kind of local community. And then of course, from there, uh, different things happen in the world. And let us say together, Amen. Amen.